So, yeah, the reading is taken from Romans 12, and find what page it's on. So, um, if you don't know where it is, it's on page 1139, if you don't know where it is. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us is one body, with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. I'm just going to pray for you, Hannah, before um, you speak. Um, Father God, I thank you for your word, I thank you for the Bible, um, and I thank you for Hannah who's come to um, speak to us this evening, Lord. Um, I pray that we would hear you speaking to us through Hannah, Lord, um, and I pray that there'll be something in this passage and something um, from what Hannah says, Lord, that um, will help us take a step closer to being more transformed, to be more like you, Jesus, Lord. Um, And I just pray that you would help us to focus, help us to forget all the busyness of the day and just concentrate on your word and and what you have to say to us now. Amen. 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 Do you know, it's so lovely to be here. It's so lovely to see you all. Really important question. 
Young people, are you awake? Theo, you look super tired. There's some shaking heads. Do we need to do like a warm-up? No? Okay, I'm just going to keep going. If I see any eyes closed, I'm not going to take it personally, because you're being super holy, yeah? Um, I've got a question as I start this evening. Has anyone seen the film Hacksaw Ridge? Oh, not enough hands, people, not enough hands. Um, for those of you that haven't seen the film Hacksaw Ridge or if it's been a little while, I'm just going to tell you a little synopsis of the film. It's about a man called Desmond Doss. It's based on a true story. Um, Desmond Doss was a medic in the US Army in World War II. Desmond Doss was a conscientious objector. It means um, he wouldn't carry a weapon. He didn't believe in fighting. Um, but he was enlisted into World War II, and he went into World War II as a medic um, without a rifle, but instead with his faith in God and with his Bible. And Desmond Doss um, was involved in one of the bloodiest battles in World War II that took place at the top of a 400-foot cliff uh, titled, nicknamed Hacksaw Ridge. And during this battle, um, Doss's army were forced to retreat. They were losing the fight. They were ordered to retreat from machine gun fire. But Doss refused to retreat. Instead, constantly and consistently running out into the line of machine gun fire and booby traps, shouting the prayer, Lord, let me save just one more. He carried on running out in front of machine gun fire, shouting this prayer, Lord, let me save just one more, until he saved approximately 75 injured soldiers. Now, Doss afterwards estimated that he'd saved around 50 soldiers. His comrades estimated about 100. If you look on Wikipedia, they've split the difference at 75. Um, but somewhere between 50 and 100 men, Doss single-handedly saved. And I start with that story this evening because it's a real-life living example of being a living sacrifice for two reasons, right? Firstly, he's clearly prepared to sacrifice himself. He's running out. He clearly understands this idea um, that God sacrificed for him. Therefore, he's prepared to sacrifice. But also I share that story because now whatever I say, I'm not telling you to go and run out in front of machine gun fire. So actually, you've got an easy option. Joking. Um, but there's something in this that I think is a really good place to start. Doss understood that he had a role, and he understood through his faith in God the importance of sacrifice in his own life. And as we look at this passage this evening, I want us to think around the fact that we sacrifice because we're called to sacrifice, but we sacrifice because first God sacrificed for us. But before we get too into it, we pick up this passage in Romans chapter 12. And this is the passage the young people have been looking at over the weekend. Um, I'm going to be focusing just on verses 1 to 2 to keep it super, simple, simple. So that was a tongue twister. Super, super simple. Um, and as far as I'm aware, the young people have been looking at not conforming, being transformed, the renewing of our minds. But this is chapter 12, which my quick maths tells me that there's 11 chapters before. Thanks. Um, and actually, there's a really key word at the start of this passage, the word therefore. Now, I did a music and theology degree, which means I looked at mu um, music and theology for three years. And I don't remember much of my time studying theology, but something I remember really clearly is that when you see a therefore in the Bible, you don't ignore it because it's there 
for a reason. So it's really important that we look at what has come before this passage. And Paul in Romans chapter 1 to 11 has been talking about faith. He's been talking about what it looks like to be a Christian. He's been talking about being dead to sin, being alive in Christ. He's been talking about what it looks like to have faith in Jesus in all areas of your life. And we land in chapter 12 where Paul has been talking about faith for 11 chapters. And now he's moving on to faithfulness. It's like he's been talking about faith and now he's saying, how are we going to put this into practice? Here is what you're going to do. You're going to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And that wording might feel a little bit weird to us, but it's wording that the early church would have understood. Paul's talking to the early church, his brothers and sisters in this passage, and they were used to, to sacrifice. And we see it in the Old Testament. People used to build their altars, um, and they'd bring their livestock, they'd bring their best calf, their best lamb, um, and they would burn it as their sacrifice to God. This was common practice. We see it with Abraham being prepared to sacrifice Isaac right near the start of the Bible, sacrifice was language they understood. But what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 12 is it's no longer good enough, brothers and sisters, to bring your stuff. It's no longer good enough to bring your best calf, however amazing it is. It's no longer good enough to burn something as your worship. Your worship has to start with yourself. Your worship and your, um, your offering to me is not something that dies on the altar. Through your offering being yourself, your sacrifice is living and alive. The sacrifice is living and it stays alive at the altar because it is ongoing throughout our whole lives. You see, what we see in this passage is Paul is saying, we all, all of us here, his brothers and sisters that he is writing to, and all of us here have a sacrificial obligation. A sacrificial obligation on how we live our life in a way that is true and pleasing to God. But before we get into what it looks like to be a living sacrifice, because I think that's really important. If that is what Paul is telling us, we need to break down what that looks like. I want to think about the why. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm told to do something, but I don't understand why, I'm really less likely to do it. If Matt says to me, He's out the room, I think. He's out the room. If Matt says to me, Hannah, go and put the bins out, which frankly he would never say, because in our house that's a blue job, not a pink job. Yes, we have blue jobs and pink jobs, and the bins are definitely a blue job. But if Matt was to say to me, Hannah, go and put the bins out, with no context, I'd probably sit there like, you put the bins out. Who do you think you're talking to? There's two of us in this marriage. Off you go, go put the bins out. But if Matt said to me, Hannah, the bin men's outside, I'm in the shower, we need to put the bins out, otherwise we're going to miss bin day, I'd probably move a bit quicker. Do you get my point? Are you with me? Fabulous. Um, so actually, it's really important we know why. Why are we being called to be a living sacrifice? Why are we being called in our lives to sacrifice? And Paul makes this really, really clear in verse 1. There's five really key words. In view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. You see, we all live under this blanket, this umbrella of God's mercy. And I don't know about you, but it can be really easy to overcomplicate that. 
It can be really easy to overthink that even, or sometimes even forget that. So I just want to remind us this evening, what is God's mercy? You see, we are all loved. You are loved. You are loved. And you are loved by the God that created this world, and he created everything in it, and he said it is good. And he brought humans onto this world that he created in his image. And humans, as we so often do, in fact, we always do, we mess it up. Humans messed it up and sin came into the world. And sin, that really little word with I in the middle, is when I put myself in front of God. And this wedge came between humans and God that couldn't be fixed alone. But God is so abundantly good and so extravagantly kind that he didn't want to leave it that way. So God sacrificed. God sacrificed Jesus, his one and only son, who came down to earth, who lived on this earth for 33 years. And he went to the cross and he died a death he didn't deserve. But on the cross, every single time I mess up, every single day, that died with Jesus. Every single time you sin, every single day, that died with Jesus. And it is gone and it died at the cross. But God's mercy stretches further than that because that's not the end of the story. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And through Jesus rising from the dead, all of the chains of this world that we feel caught up in will set free. All of the cycles of addiction we get caught up in are broken free. All of the things that we feel shame from and we feel guilt from and we still feel caught up in, even though they died on the cross, we are totally broken from those things. And we can find freedom and transformation through relationship with Jesus. That is God's mercy. That is the mercy that we all live under. And if we want even more of what God's mercy is, Paul breaks it down in Romans 1 to 11. In those 11 chapters, he talks about the justification from guilt and the penalty of sin. He talks about the adoption in Jesus and identification with Christ. He talks about that we're placed under grace, not law. He talks about the Holy Spirit that lives within us. He talks about the promise of help in all times of trouble. He talks about the fact we're children of God, set free and saved. He talks about the confidence of coming in glory. I'm going to keep going. He talks about the confidence of no separation from the love of God. He talks about the confidence in God's continued faithfulness. Our motivation is that Jesus died so that we don't have to. And that is why we sacrifice. That is why we sacrifice. And that is why sacrifice should be the foundations of our worship. In light of God's mercy, past, present, and future, Paul tells us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Romans 6 verse 5 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. We sacrifice because God first sacrificed for us. Over the last few weeks um, in Beacon, we've been preaching through the fruit of the Spirit. And we decided to do this um, because our church is made up of about 80 to 90% of people that two years ago had never been to church before. The official term is unchurched. Um, And loads of these people have never been to another church before. They have no idea what church should look like, which is amazing because we can do what we want. Um, And... And that's all they know. But also what that means is there are loads of parts of the Bible they have never, ever read before. They've never heard of. And actually, God's word is alive and living. But you need to know what it says, right? We need to know what it says in order to allow the spirit to transform within us. And so we've been picking out different parts of the Bible that we think are really, really important um, for our whole congregation to get to grips with so that we can start um, discipling. 
and making sure we're conforming to the ways, um, the fruit of the Spirit, not the ways of the world. So we've been preaching through the fruit of the Spirit, and what I've been really struck by the last few weeks is how so much of the fruit of the Spirit starts with sacrifice. So much of the fruit of the Spirit starts with sacrifice. Bear with me on this. Like, how often do we have to choose love even if we're feeling angry? How often do we have to choose kindness, um, even if our kids are really winding us up or our parents are really winding us up? How often do we have to, should we be choosing patience if we're waiting for a tube or a bus? And actually maybe we're, we're a little bit far back and we think we're going to miss the rush hour bus and we're going to have to wait for another one. How often do we have to choose to step back rather than pushing our way through? How often actually do we have to choose faithfulness with how we give our money? How we sacrifice what we've got to bless other people, bless God, bless the church. How often do we have to choose the fruit of the Spirit, actively choose it, rather than conforming with the ways of the world? All of that is sacrifice. But so often it's a choice. So often it's a choice we have to make. And as we've been preaching on the fruit of the Spirit in Beacon, what we've started to see is people trying to work this out in their own lives. And it's been beautiful. It's been amazing. We've got examples literally in the last three weeks of families who have started giving to the church even though they can't always afford food for themselves. But they know that they should be giving and they're prepared to start with their giving and work everything else out afterwards. We've got families who regularly call the police on their neighbours and get really angry with their neighbours and you see fights going on in the road and fireworks in bins, yes, really. Um, Choosing peace rather than anger choosing to pray for their neighbours rather than going out and telling them where to go. We've seen examples of people literally write statuses being really rude about their neighbours on Facebook and then five minutes later deleting them because they realise that's not what they're called to do. That's amazing. Facebook ministry is the place to be, guys. It's really exciting. We've seen examples of dads. Matt mentioned dads earlier. Dads becoming Christians. And actually, marriage is being in tatters because people are putting each other first and affairs left, right, and center and just not giving each other time when they've got so many children around. We've seen dads choosing patience and choosing kindness and choosing gentleness. And actually, we've seen marriages restored in the last couple of months. That all starts with sacrifice. It all starts with sacrifice. We've got a strap line in Beacon. Um, and it's a strap line that Adrian, the vicar, um, I, don't, I was going to say came up with, but that probably is what it did. Um, but it's a strap line that's part of his vision. And when we came into Beacon two years ago, it's the vision that we've adopted as well. And to start with, the strap line was, looks like Revo, which is the neighbourhood, looks like Revo, smells like Revo. We wanted to be a church that looked like the place it was and smelled like the place it was and we wanted to be all-encompassing of Revo and it was really, really exciting. And then one day we were having Sunday lunch around Adrian and Fran's house with their three children and Martha, their 11-year-old, we were mid-eating our lunch and she went, Daddy, why do we want Beacon to smell like cigarettes and dog poo? The strapline's now changed (laughs) and the strapline is now looks like Revo smells like the kingdom. Looks like Revo smells like the kingdom. You see, we want Beacon to be a place and to be a place filled with people who look like the people that they are, but that smell like God's kingdom. 
that look different because they are inhabiting the kingdom of God and being transformed into more and more of the likeness like Christ of Christ each day. We want people to be coming into Beacon who are from their local area, but that stand out because they are trusting and relying on Jesus rather than conforming to the ways of the world. We want to look like Revo, but smell like God's kingdom. And that is an exciting place to be. And that's my my question for us all tonight. Because we don't want to smell like the places we are. It's a stupid strapline, didn't make sense. But actually, I don't know about you, but I want to smell like God's kingdom. I want to smell, no, smell is a weird word, but let's go with it. I want to smell like a child of God. I want to look like someone that is becoming more and more into the image and the likeness of God every single day. And that starts with sacrifice. That starts with looking at how we can become more like God each day. What things in our life are more like the world than like God? What things do we need to put down? And what things do we need to take up? So my question is, how can you in your life this week whether it's in your work, whether it's in your neighbourhood, whether it's conversations, whether it's waiting for the bus, whether it's at school, whatever it is, how can you look like you but smell like God's kingdom? How can you stand out? What are you going to sacrifice? What are you going to give up? That means this week you look a little bit more like God's kingdom than you did last week. There's one translation of verse 2 that says this. It says, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. We don't want to be squeezed into the mold that isn't God's mold. God's mold is set apart for a reason, and the world, frankly, doesn't fit. And I don't want to try and fit in it if it's not the way of God. So what in your life this week do you need to take up? Do you need to put down? What part of the fruit of the Spirit do you need to choose more of? Is it love? Is it kindness as you walk past the homeless man at the side of the road? Is it faithfulness? Is it gentleness? Is it patience? Is it self-control? What part of your life Do you need to sacrifice so that this week you can become a little bit more looking like you, exactly where you're meant to be, exactly where you're called to be right now, but smelling like the kingdom of God? So that you are set apart and so that you scream child of God, so that more and more people can also come to know the life-changing, transforming nature of God and more and more people can be welcomed into his family. That's the place I want to be. And I'd love for you to join me in that place. Would you stand with me? We're going to take a minute, like we would do at Beacon on a Sunday, where we're just going to wait. And we're just going to pause, and Matt will tinkle in the background so it doesn't feel awkward. Maybe it's helpful for you to hold out your hands. And that's nothing special. But actually, sometimes when we hold our hands out, that's us acknowledging that we're, we're listening to God right now and we're ready to receive from him. Maybe there's something in, in what I've said or something in this passage this evening 
that has really stuck out to you, don't ignore that. Allow God to speak to you this evening. Calm Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh, we pray. We want to leave here tonight smelling more like your kingdom. Being more in tune with what it is you are doing in our lives. God, we pray you equip us for that task. We pray you equip us for the adventure you're taking us on. Not by our own might, but all by your strength. We pray that as we sacrifice, as we aim to to give up those things in our life and take up those, those things that make us more like you, We pray that more people will see um, you through us. We pray that more people will come to know you as their Lord and Saviour and more lives will be transformed. We pray for whole families to come to know you. We pray for our neighbours that we're thinking about that we know don't know you yet. Lord, we pray for miracles in their lives. We pray for our friends that maybe we're too scared to talk about you too at the moment. God, we pray for boldness. We pray for confidence. And we pray for those friends to come to know you. Equip us as we leave here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.